Hey everyone, I'm Chase Collette, and this is The Entrepreneurial Youth, the show where I talk to entrepreneurs, business people, young innovators, side hustlers, and everyone in between about their successes, stories, strategies, and how you can follow in their footsteps. To this will be around your age. A lot of people I've spoken to at this age, kind of, they're concerned about who they speak to because... What, what am I going to say? What am I going to add value? What if I run out 100%. of questions to ask? What if I make myself look stupid by asking something really obvious? Yeah. Um, and the reality is that that everybody at some stage has looked dumb by asking a question. Mm-hmm. Everybody. That was today's guest, Phil Paluccia. When it comes to business, there are a thousand and one ways to succeed. As a young kid, Phil was never very exceptional. He was, in his own words, difficult to manage and averse to authority. His high school years were spent roaming the halls, and he attended his classes regularly. Captain of his school soccer team, he stayed in school only to play sports. Outside of the classroom, however, Phil was always an entrepreneur. His first ever business started with strawberries, and today he runs multiple media brands and networking companies all under the brand of billionaires and boxers. If you talk to Phil, he would tell you that your brand is everything. He'd also find a man full of amazing advice and even more amazing energy. But Phil didn't get to where he is without hardships. As every hero must have an origin story, every entrepreneur's tale has a beginning. This is my interview with Phil Palucha. I do want to ask you a little bit about your uh, your childhood, Phil. Um, Shoot, man. So, yeah, as, as a kid, were you ever like the ambitious type? Were you, were you like the guy who led the student council or the football team? Or were you more like the laid back and go with the flow type person? I was a really weird kind of character, actually. <laughs> especially for like if you if you try and fit me into that typical American high school movie thing, like I don't even know which character I would be. So I'll give you an idea. I was captain of the football team and captain of the basketball team, but I also got expelled at fourteen. Um, so and I was very rarely in lessons because I probably had like twenty percent attendance. In fact, my school was so bad that they would let me not come into school during the day because I would just be disruptive in lessons anyway and mm-hmm. just let me come in for sports because obviously they'd let me compete and we'd win money as a school and stuff. So they wanted me to play for them. They just didn't want me in the school. Um, so I spent most of my education from about the age of 12 to 14 just standing around in cold school corridors where I'd been kicked out of a lesson. Um, yeah. So it's a bit of a waste of time, but I'd, I'd always been, I think the problem was I was always very entrepreneurial, mm-hmm. um, even from a very, very young age. I also don't come from a wealthy family. So if you wanted something, you got out and you earned money. So, you know, I remember, I remember, I remember like my first official job being at like 11, 12 years old, um, yeah. you know, and, and it being working on a farm doing strawberry picking. And, and even then, like I, I would have to sit in this little hut and sell these little plastic crates and people would go and pick their own strawberries right but having a disabled mother i knew that there was no way she could get into that field to go and strawberry pick for example so i wondered i wonder how many people in the area both elderly and disabled would want to have fresh picked strawberries but can't get into the field to go and do it so i said well what happens if i go and pick the strawberries for them and then we sell the basket how much would we sell the basket for can i have the markup and it was mm-hmm. like yeah, I mean, I'm still making the same money. So if you want to make like yeah. a, an extra dollar every time you sell one, then do it kind of thing. 
Mm-hmm. So I then went and got all my little friends to start picking strawberries, and it was a sweet deal for them because the deal was they got like it was about fifty cents there or thereabouts. So I was getting like the other fifty cents; they were getting fifty cents each, right, per one that they sold. But the other part of the deal was they could eat as many of the strawberries as they wanted whilst in the field. Nice. So I just basically had like rows of school friends picking strawberries, eating them, getting fat, throwing them at each other, having a whale of time. <laughs> Um, and but it, it really took off because people would just drive by and they'd pick them up. But then I had to cycle home um, mm-hmm. back to my house, and it was about about a mile and a half away from from the farm. Uh, and I know that the road that I have to drive down has loads of old people who are pretty much housebound. They don't they can't go very fast. So they certainly can't come into a field. Mm-hmm. So on one day on the way home, I knocked on all their doors and I said, "Hey, I'm working down at the strawberry farm. Um, we're getting these really nice crates of, of freshly picked strawberries." if you want, I can deliver some to your house on the way past, like during the week, if you want me to bring some. And I would take pre-orders from people and then I charge them a delivery charge as well. So now I was charging an extra couple of bucks for delivery. And I was just pocketing that as well because I was just dropping it off on the way home. Um, So to try and then go to school and have a teacher start kind of be like, respect me because I'm a teacher. It was like, no, dude. (laughs) That's not how this works. Respect is both ways. It's earned. Mm -hmm. Like a conversation that starts with sit down, shut up and respect me does not go very well with me. Of course. Yeah, no. Um, It's it's, kind of like the opposite. It's it's like my kryptonite, right? You say that to me and I'm just going to be, oh, okay, well, I'm just going to mess with you just just because. (laughs) Just why not? Yeah, no. So, all throughout Phil's childhood, he had the mentality that he didn't really need to listen to the authority of his school. He progressed through high school, but never actually graduated. He was kicked out of school after a few years of rebellion. The same story happened when Phil went to college. After only a few months in college, Phil would be asked to leave the building. Just for context, British schools work differently than American schools. College is the British equivalent of high school, replacing what would be 11th and 12th grade, and university is the equivalent of college. So, for Phil, it wouldn't be until he went to university that he found a person that he really respected. This person would be a mentor to Phil and would help lead him into success in life. Uh, um, so, I had teachers that I really liked. But the irony is, like, when I, I went, so I got kicked out of school, so I never got my high school qualifications. And then I went, started college, and then I got kicked out of college. Um, so, I never got those qualifications either. So funnily enough, my first formal qualification was my university degree. Mm-hmm. And I only got into university because I was working for a company who had like ties with the university to do a qualification. And I wanted to do this real estate qualification. So I went in and I met this lecturer and we just basically just got chatting at the back of the room. It was like an open session. You know, one of these like university open days or college open days where there's just parents everywhere. Mm-hmm. So I went and stood next to what I at the time presumed was a disgruntled parent that just wanted to be away from everybody because uh-huh. it's this guy stood at the back of the room and he's the grumpiest looking man you've ever seen in your life yeah. you know, arms folded you know he's, he's got like fuck off written on his forehead um <laughs> like he doesn't want to talk to people but that was how i was feeling about being there too because i'm a little bit older at this point than a lot of these people i'm in my early 20s yeah. most yeah. of these people are like 17 18 years old mm-hmm. and they're there with their mom and dad and i'm like wandering around this place on my own so anyway I go and stand next to this guy, start having a conversation with him. And it turns out that he's head of the school that I'm trying to get into. 
Um, <laughs> and we just got chatting and we went, he said, do you want to go for a coffee? I said, yeah. And I started talking to him about his career because he'd been in the industry for 40 years before he went into lecturing. Um, and <laughs> I don't know how, but he essentially just signed me up for the course without the qualification. <laughs> it was like, so yeah, I'll just say yes. Like, come and do it. No one's going to question it. It's fine. <laughs> um and, and and that really changed my life so you know massive shout out to him in fact he changed my life twice because at the end of my qualification we were in a global recession mm -hmm. um so it was really difficult to find work and he helped me to line up an opportunity with a friend of his in southern africa which is actually then where i became board level it's where i met my wife it's where like my whole life kind of changed down there so he's a he's a he might be a small character in it but he plays a big part you know So, Phil did a lot of things in between college and university. He eventually got his degree in real estate surveying and traveled to South Africa for a high-paying corporate job. He started on the bottom rung of the corporate ladder, but over the subsequent years, slowly rose to an executive position in the company. As an executive, Phil traveled the world, making deals and looking for talent to hire into the company. As the days grew longer and plane flights started to wear on his bones, Phil decided he wanted to have something more grounded, a job where he could make his own living. He decided to join a radio talk show, sharing his views on the business world and using his expertise to analyze their changing economy. Over time, his small section of the radio evolved into something a bit more rewarding. That's it. That's the one. 100%. And I know that you host uh, Billionaires and Boxers, right? That's the name of your podcast. Mm -hmm. Can yes. you tell me a little bit more about that? I'm honestly not quite sure what, what it's all about. Yeah, sure. So like, uh, Billionaires in Boxes um, was actually originally the name of our TV series. Mm -hmm. um, so we'd gone from podcast to, to radio. The radio station we'd been on had its own sort of name. So we were just the, the business section of that radio station. Yeah. So when it got picked up by its first television network, we didn't have a name for the show. Um, and everything I suggested, like they hated and, and, and I don't mean like they disliked it. I mean, like they absolutely kiboshed it. It's like, no, never, definitely not. Burn it. Can't believe you suggested it. So I just started getting ridiculous with it and sending like ridiculous suggestions. And then one of them I sent was billionaires in boxes because we're growing our global empires from home and I rarely put on pants. And it was like, that's it. Like, that's what we're going to call it. And I was like, I was joking, guys. But then... The TV show, uh, which was in Southern Africa, was really successful. So people started to recognize me as the billionaires in boxers guy, but didn't even know my name. So it was like, we should probably do a rebrand and make everything billionaires in boxers because then it just seems yeah. to you know, reach a lot of people and it resonates. And I've come to love it, to be honest, because it, it's, it's a fun title that I think everybody kind of has a different opinion of the brand themselves as to what it means to them. But for me, it's it's always a piece of my sense of humor, no matter how big this business gets, all, the name itself is just my personality. <laughs> it's my kind of, you know, my fun, just messing about kind of don't take life too seriously sense of humor. And I like that. No, I love that. I love that. Now, important question. Uh, do you have pants on now, Phil? <laughs> I do, man. It's cold. Here. Phil has a lot of really good ideas when it comes to business. His company, Billionaires and Boxers, has been around for over 10 years, and those 10 years taught Phil invaluable lessons on everything from marketing to networking. 
His business model is built around helping other people grow their businesses, which I found to be a really interesting concept. I wanted to know more about his company, so me and Phil dove into how he and his company do their work. Our podcast publicity, for example, let's say, let's say you have a business, you've never been on a podcast before. Yeah, I'm going to learn all about you and then introduce you to people that I believe you're going to vibe with. And then they're going to introduce you to people that they already vibe with. And before you know it, you're now in a little community of 15, 20, 30 business owners who all gel and vibe together. They do events together. They work together. We often refer business to each other, affiliate partnerships. Yeah. Business is a team sport, dude. Like it's not about being a striker and saying, get better at defending. No, screw that. It's like, I'm a striker. I'm going to score goals. I'm going to partner with a defender. Yeah. Because that defender can't score goals and I can't stop scoring them. But I can't defend and they're amazing at it. And business is exactly the same. It's like, okay, I'm great at this. So I, take us, for example. Yeah. We're great at the relationship bit and the facilitation of the content creation. How yeah. that get repurposed is none of my business. That goes <laughs> to different marketing partners, you know, social media agencies, videographers, whoever. You go and deal with that. That's your bit. This is my bit, right? Yeah. So yeah. the first thing we did was partner with somebody at either side of that. So first off, we partnered with PR agencies because they already work with businesses who are trying to get publicity. So yeah. we're the perfect add-on. So then they get given to us as a client, as a referral. We then work with them. And then on top of the, working with the PR company and us, we then say, here's this media agency that we know that can repurpose that content for you. And they can get it shared out all across your social media so you can reach new customers and it can be showing your worth and showing what you're all about. Here's another person I can introduce you to. They're a publicist. What they do is get articles repurposed and written and put in major publications like Forbes and Google News and MSN and Yahoo Finance. Yeah. So you can get them to repurpose your podcast interviews and turn them into articles for you. Well, we've just provided a whole solution now that has just completely revolutionized somebody's business from the amount of content they have to the relationships they have, to the affiliate network they have, to the contacts that they now have in their industry, to the reach that they have. And it all comes down to that vibe, you know, you know, connect with the people you vibe with, your vibe attracts your tribe. That's yeah. And, and you've just got to take that first step because they're out there. They're already there. And in fact, the irony is that, you know, even if you want to keep sitting on the sofa for one more night, Use that time sat on the sofa to go onto Google Podcasts or Spotify and go and start listening to podcasts in your niche and see who you like the sound of. Of course. Because I'm pretty sure if you made a list of 10 of them and we worked together to put a pitch together and you went to them, you could get on five or six of those podcasts, no problem. You can now start to build relationships with the people who you're listening to and getting admiration and advice from. Of course. Yeah, no. That's, I mean, that's a really good advice. I mean, listeners should probably go back and listen to the, what, last five minutes of you talking. Bill, you have, you have amazing knowledge. I, I, I keep you, getting Bob. blown away by this. This is awesome. Do you know what? I, I, this is, I love this stuff. I think is, you know, mm-hmm. you'll, you'll hear people talk about working in your passion. Like I'm a, yeah, I'm a trained surveyor by trade. So I'm a chartered surveyor by trade. Um, although not the charter bit anymore because you have to keep that up. It's like a license, like a practicing lawyer, I guess. Yeah. Um, but this is my passion, right? I grew and sold to sports podcasting networks. Then I grew and sold to professional businesses using podcasting. So for me, like, it, I feel like a kid in a sweet shop because I get to take someone's business 
and take them often, let's be honest, small to medium-sized businesses, taking them from a place of a real roller coaster. Some months are great, other months they're worried about paying their mortgage to now being able to scale consistently as a business. They're now getting yeah. booked as keynote speakers. They're now getting media coverage. They're now, you know, they're, they're doing partnerships with some of the best people are in their industry globally. They're moving into new markets all because of a strategy that I designed up to help my business. Again, like that's a real, it's a real sense of pride for me. So I, I love it, man. And, 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 and long may it continue because I love helping as many people as we can with this. Yeah, no, 100%. And I think what you're doing in Billionaires and Boxers is really, really brilliant. Because I, I didn't realize it was more than just a podcast. And obviously, it's your entire Oh, brand. for sure, dude. Your entire well, look, so there's, 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 there's probably three main things we do. So mm-hmm. we've got the what we call the podcast production, which is kind of working more with either larger businesses that want to run a podcast and have a guest booking strategy. So they're appearing mm-hmm. on other people's shows and they have guests appearing on theirs. And we call that model our turn up and talk, which is essentially we do everything. You know, yeah. we find that we work on the strategy with them. We find the guests, we get the book, everybody turns up, we edit it, we publish it, we do everything. They just right. turn up and talk, hence yeah. the name. Um, our most popular package by far is our podcast publicity, which mm-hmm. is not having your own show, but getting booked onto other people's shows of audiences who are perfect for you to talk to. It's about getting you ready with what I call a podcast ready product, which is making sure that you've got something you can pitch that if people are interested, they can grab it, they can sample it, they can spend some money with you, get some value, and you can now add them into a funnel uh, and move them down that process, which is which is really nice because um, it's kind of like a try before you buy a little bit. It's like, yeah, chuck me $1,000 and I'll do something that should be worth 1500 because I'm so confident that actually you're going to end yeah. up spending thousands more with me over the next few months. Of course. Um, and then our final bit is our television content. So a few years ago, as I said, we moved into TV. Um, so we actually manage the business content for 15 satellite television channels globally. Um, so essentially, it's a, once you've kind of got to the stage in your podcast where you've used that VIP pass in your industry and you're ready to go to the next level. I mean, let's be honest, nothing grows your business better than being as seen on TV. Of course. Um, yeah, you know, no. The example I always give is, is Gordon Ramsay the best chef in the world? I doubt it, but he's the one everybody thinks of first because he's yeah. always on TV. Um, 100%. So if you can get your business on TV and be seen as that authority figure and that leader, it's essentially using the stuff on the podcast. So you get your interviews going and you build your relationships and you build that, that clan, if you will, that family, that unit, that, that group of business, it's your team, right? It's your squad. It's the group of people who are helping each other and referring stuff and it's all working really nicely. Now you get a TV show or two of you get a TV show and you invite everybody onto guests and each other onto each other's shows and you just big each other up. I mean, there's a reason that Tony Robbins and Dean are recommending each other's products so much all over social media. Yeah. That's because it, it works. Hey, works. he's great. You should buy his stuff that I get a slice of. Oh, and he's great too. You should buy his stuff. And it's like, <laughs> I'm getting yeah. paid twice. Buy our stuff. So after we talked about the bib or billionaires and boxers business model, I asked Phil how people can please their customers. Early in our conversation, he had mentioned that it isn't always good to listen to every person around you and... I wanted to dig deeper into that topic. In this section, Phil says what is quite possibly one of my favorite quotes of all time. While it may seem simple, you cannot underestimate the effectiveness of this advice. Absolutely. In a way. No, I I love it. You you do have to put yourself out there. And I think the more your network is your net worth. I'm a huge believer in that. It's how I fuel my business. It's what we do with our clients. So it's a a matter. 
it's not even like I can say to you, I believe it. Like, because as far as I'm concerned, it's fact. There's nothing to believe. It's, and we're living it and experiencing it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like saying we need air. It's like, it's just, it's fact. You know, I, I don't need to agree with it. Uh, yeah. But so, but so many people don't put themselves out there either because of imposter syndrome or, you know, particularly, let's be honest, it, a lot of the listeners to this will be around your age. A lot of people I've spoken to at this age kind of, they're concerned about who they speak to because what what am I going to say? What am I going to add value? What if I run out 100%. of questions to ask? What if I make myself look stupid by asking something really obvious? Yeah. Um, and the reality is that that everybody at some stage has looked dumb by asking a question. Mm-hmm. Everybody. Um, so I'll give you an example. Playing basketball. This is years ago. This will show my age now. So we had these sneakers, right? These basketball sneakers. And it was the yeah. and and one right uh-huh. and i was like okay they want this thing and so i went up to this guy and i said oh uh i'm phil and he went hey phil and i went I'm, are you andy and he went no and he went what made you say i was andy i was like oh and your shoes and he looked at me like i was a lunatic and he was like, you never heard of this brand and i was like oh yeah 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 sorry man mate my eyes are just you know it's, it's smoky in here and, you know so i made myself look like a fool but that that happens in your life and you you know what you know what i didn't die like and yeah like, nobody nobody died it was probably funny for 30 seconds and then he forgot all about it and then um, he, he and could then he probably he could be again. listening to this well he was gonna say he could be listening to this podcast and still wouldn't remember the story because it had no relevance to him <laughs> exactly but, but it, we we worry too much about what other people think about and i think one of the things that a lot of people forget is you know that we think about ourselves like 99% of the time. Mm. Other people are the same too. So what makes you think that you're so special? They're paying attention to all your flaws and faults. No, they're just not. Yeah, no, that, that's one. That's how, that's kind of how I govern my own life. And I, I used to be like a not very outgoing person. I used to be like super shy and introverted. And now I'm probably the most outgoing guy in the room when it comes to everything because mm-hmm. – People won't remember half of the thing, 90% of the things I say, you know, they'll remember me as the outgoing guy, you know, and yeah, of course. it's not bad to be remembered as the outgoing guy. Uh, no, and I don't know. I just think that idea of don't, don't care too much about what other people think is really not important. Not at all. You can't well, it's one of the biggest anything. lessons in business is, is, you know, the sooner you figure out that you need to stop listening to the opinions of idiots, the sooner your business will grow. Because otherwise you're going to be one of these people who changes your business model every five minutes because every time somebody gives you a bit of feedback, you change it. And mm-hmm. if someone says, oh, I hate your website, you know, you instead of saying, oh, well, that probably means you're not my ideal customer then because my customers love it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, people yeah. go, oh, I should change my website instantly to suit this stranger I've never heard of. Or I'm going to overcomplicate it and think about it for days at a time and obsess about what I can change. And the reality is that, you know, you, you don't need all that many customers in business to be successful. Um, and once you have customers, if you focus on, if you focus on building a tribe of people who that you resonate with and you vibrate with, business becomes a pleasure. Um, you know, earlier today, I received a message on LinkedIn from a guy who's only been a customer of mine for a week and he mm-hmm. said all of this has been fantastic insight i'm so pleased i'm working with you phil have a great weekend that is lovely feedback there this guy's known me for a week and he's yeah. like dude i love this thank you so much i'm really glad we're doing this like that's such that's a lovely that. thing to hear from somebody of course 
course. Yeah. Um, you know, I, one of the reviews on my LinkedIn that I'm very proud of is uh, one of my long-term customers. He says, you are literally my favorite invoice to pay because of how much value you add. Now, for a business owner, I know how much I dislike paying invoices. So for somebody to say they like paying mine is actually a massive compliment because like, yeah. I don't like paying anybody's. You know, <laughs> so yeah, somebody yeah. liking paying mine is like, well, other than my team, obviously. I love paying them. That's different. Yeah. After we really discussed this business, I wanted to get Phil's opinion on actually shit starting a business. One of the biggest barriers most people contend with when starting a business is the uncertainty and fear of taking that leap into the unknown. Fear is the greatest motivator, but it's also the biggest obstacle in starting a business. Well, it starts in your mind, first and foremost, because yeah. everything does. Like, you know, it's, it's why so many people's diets fail, because they're forcing themselves to eat that kale and that salad even though their mind is going, I don't want this, I don't want this. So your body's reaction to it is going to be, you don't want this because that's what you're thinking. That's what you're saying. Yeah. So the way to, to be healthy, for example, is to have that mindset of, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm a healthy person because then you don't want to put crap in your body. You want to put good stuff in your body. And now it's a completely different sensation because you want to do it, right? Um, it's, like, it's like running. So here's a weird one. I used to hate running. In fact, I still do. Same here. Um, and you'd put me on like a fitness test and you'd track how far I could run. And let's say I could do like, I don't know, like eight kilometers or something ridiculous. I don't know. Mm -hmm. So let's say eight kilometers if I'm really pushing it, right? But if you stick a football, a soccer in front, a ball in front of me, I'll go for fucking, you know, 12 and a half, 13, 14, no problem because I'm focused on the ball. I'm not focused on running. Yeah. So my mind gets to a point where it goes, you're probably done now. And I give up. You stick a soccer ball in front of me and that never goes away because I'm focused on the ball. Yeah. Right? So it's about finding things that do that within your life. Right. And the reason that, that that's so important is I said it earlier, your vibe attracts your tribe. So that whole imposter syndrome stuff, it never kind of fully goes away for some people. But I think what makes it much easier to deal with is that first step is the scariest because it's unknown. After discussing how to overcome fear, I asked Phil how someone could create a bang when they launched their business. This was quite possibly one of the best advices of uh, pieces of advice on this show. We used my podcast as an example, but these strategies can work for any business. It's about positioning yourself, I think, is, is, is the answer with anything. You can reverse engineer anything you want. Of course. Anything you want. So if you want that publicity, so let's use this as an example. So I would make a list of the top 10 publications in my industry and the top 10 trade magazines in my niche as a small business. And then I would invite each of their editors and senior journalists onto a podcast with me to build a relationship. I want to know what they're working on. I want to help, you know, it's to help them sell more copies of their paper, their magazine, whatever. But it's also about you building a relationship with them. Because if you are, if you know 10 editors in your industry, your chances of going into those trade publications have just gone up tenfold, haven't they? As yeah. a minimum. Um, you know, and if you continue to build a relationship with them and have conversations, they're going to want to cover you because that's what happens. And actually, yeah. at this stage, it's the sweet spot because journalists have a, a real ethical dilemma when it comes to publishing friends because they don't want to be seen to you know, oh, I've just publicized my best friend's business. It kind of like someone's going to see through this. Uh -huh. So when you're in that, you know, they know who you are because you're building a relationship, but you're not yet friends. 
that's actually the time that you're most likely to receive your most coverage. So there's no excuse for not doing it. It's that it's that sweet spot. Of course, um, yeah. You know, I, I, I use it all the time for exhibitions with my clients. So I'll give you the strategy we use for that because it'll give you the same kind of idea. Um, make a list of the exhibitions that you would love to be a keynote speaker at. Six uh-huh. to eight months before the industry event. And you can do this at any age. Six to eight months before the industry event. Invite the event organizer onto a podcast to sell tickets. Of course, yeah. Who's the show for? Who's it helping? Who's it going to empower? Get to know them, build that relationship. End of that call, one of three things is going to happen for you. You're either going to get asked to be a keynote speaker, you're going to be asked to do a workshop, or you're going to be given free tickets to an event that should have cost you thousands to go to. All good stuff, right? Now, out of the goodness of your heart, you're going to say, okay, Mr. Event Organizer, what I'd love to do is help more people learn about this event. Can you put me in touch with the other keynote speakers and major sponsors? I'll interview them and ask them why they're attending the show, why they're involved. This is music to the ears of the event organizer who now rolls out the red carpet and introduces you. But even before we start thinking about anything else, what's this now done for you? Well, you now know more keynote speakers within your industry. So business starts to happen that way. You are far more likely to be invited to these gigs because anybody who's ever done them will know. As soon as you get booked to a keynote speaking gig, the next question is, Phil, do you know anybody else that I should be speaking to that would be good for this event? And then I recommend my friends because that's what happens, right? So if you're now mixing at that table and sitting at that table with lunch for the cool kids, you're going to start getting invited to the cool pies, right? Of course. It's not that that difficult. Um, And that's how you do that podcasting style. But of course, the other thing for that, if you want to like really get technical with this is anybody who then searches for that industry event or those keynote speakers' names Finds are now going to find links to your podcast all over Google. So as far, that, but think about those exhibitions, right? Think about a massive tech exhibition in Silicon Valley. They will spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on marketing and advertising to drive traffic towards their website. And you're going to go and piggyback off it for free by interviewing the keynote speakers, all in a way that they thank you for because you're doing them a massive favor. That is brilliant. I don't know how else to say it. And it works every single time, every single country, every single niche, every single event, all the time. Daddy. We've got TED Talks from it. We've got on Forbes with it. We've got paid keynote speaking gigs with it. I've personally been all over the world and been paid to speak. And I mean, we won hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of business off one talk in China that the British government paid me to go because they didn't have anybody speaking for them at this event. Uh-huh. And I, I, I got the booking because I did a podcast with the event organizer, who to this day, by the way, even though I've only ever done one podcast with him, which would have been six years ago, something like that. To this day, every event he's involved in, he will contact me and ask me, can I come and do a speaking gig? Can I come and do something for you? So before this next section, I'd like to apologize for my poor explanation of The Third Door by Alex Banyan. Banyan's book, however, is a really good book, and anyone listening to this podcast should go find it and read it. So I explained what The Third Door is to Phil, and then he gave his own ideas on the idea of doing anything to succeed. He also gave a brief and quite brilliant explanation of how he would interview Bill Gates. Alex Banyan, he wrote a book called The Third Door. I don't know if you've ever wrote it, Mm. or if you've ever read it, read it, oh my god. Um, it's, ba- basically, it's basically just this. He was an 18 year old kid when he started this journey. He decided he wanted to interview Bill Gates and write a book about it. And so it's the entire book is just him 
on his journey, fucking up and making an idiot of himself, but slowly getting better and better at it. And eventually he just, he calls it the third door. He says that there, there's three ways into every single party that, you know, if you're going, like going to the club, you can wait at the front door with everyone else and just hope to get in. You can go through the VIP door where you have billionaires and famous actors and that's where everybody else is going. Or you can go yeah. through the third door, which is when you run around the back and you knock on the window and you, you lock pick the back door and exactly. you fight your way into that club. 100%. And what you just described sounds exactly like that third door that definitely you, you go around the back. It's, it's making another approach. Don't, don't follow the same path as everybody else. Because if you do, you're going to get the same results as everybody else. Exactly. So you have to, you have to make your own. And actually one of the easiest ways of doing that. So let's use that him as an example. Okay. If, if I wanted to speak to Bill Gates, I don't particularly, but if I wanted to speak to Bill Gates, this is how I do it. I would look at who Bill Gates has been partnered with for a long time and it has personal acquaintances with. Right. I would look at which shows, like which podcasts in particular Bill Gates has spoken on. I would look at which charities he's involved in and which what kind of causes are close to his heart. And I would look at any close family that also have any other businesses. Mm-hmm. And then I would start to approach all those people. Oh, hey, Bill Gates, cousin. I'd love to talk to you about your marketing business in Chicago. Yeah. You know what I mean? And Why? Because every single one. Precisely, dude. And you build a relationship because the reality is there's two things that you can do with that. You're either going to get an introduction, which is pretty likely at this point, yep. or you can manufacture one, which will be the third door. And the way you do that is instead of being the guy that like everybody contacts him, hey, Bill, I'd love to have you on my podcast. You know, mm-hmm. you don't do that. You message him and say, Bill, I imagine these messages get screened. So I wanted to name drop quite quickly. I've just done an interview with your cousin, Brad. And I'm, I just did a podcast interview with Jane, who I know has worked with you for a good few years. Here's the link. Check it out. Would love to have a chat with you about the work you're doing, particularly around the insert charity work that you're currently focused on. Yeah, You're getting a response. That is brilliant. That is brilliant. God, you've you got, you got to think like a billionaire, right? And billionaires yes. don't think about money. And don't. billionaires don't even, th- that frequency of money is just so off, right? You know, it's like me and mortals, when we sit and we have daydreams, we've always got our subconscious mind to go, yeah, but you can't do that because you can't afford a jet, you know? Yeah. And your head's just giving you all these reasons why you can't do it. At their level, that doesn't exist. They can do whatever the hell they want. Exactly. So they no longer wake up with money being any form of motivation, which is why so many businesses fail when they pitch them for money. They go to them and it's like, hey, Bill Gates, I could double your money in five years. I just need this, this, and this. You're speaking the wrong language completely. Mm-hmm. These people think in emotions and what, what, what excites them and what vibrates them. So if you can go to them and say, hey, Bill, I've got this business idea and it's going to be helping to empower young people, particularly in the emerging markets by introducing this and this. You know, I think that's important to you. We've got a shared cause and I could really see us doing well together in business. He's going to say yes before he even knows the numbers because it's something that he's passionate about. Of course. So think like a billionaire. Billionaires do not think about money. They think about causes. So, you know, instead of thinking, I don't have enough listeners to get a Bill Gates or, you know, I don't have enough connections to get a Bill Gates or I don't know enough to get a Bill Gates. Nonsense. It's all, it's all subconscious blocks that you've put in your own head. You could go and present to him. And if you're the most interesting person, you're the most interesting 16-year-old that he can talk to about the climate change stuff that he's working on, he's going to have a conversation with you. Of course. Yeah, no. 
Thanks, yeah. man. I, lo- I love what we do. Genuinely, I really, really love what we do. And, and I'm, I'm a big believer in, you know, you're the expert of your own story, right? Course, so yeah. many business owners in particular hide behind their brand and they're scared to kind of speak out and share their voice. And they almost want their business to become the number one. But the, yeah. Anybody with half a brain cell will know that it's far easier to grow a personal brand than it is a business brand because people buy people and they relate to people. A great, a great exercise for that. So if anybody, because I know your generation, you're like facts. So if anybody wants a fact, here's one you can do. Go onto social media, any social media platform you can find and search for all of the Virgin accounts. So Virgin Media, Virgin Money, Virgin Atlantic, Virgin Internet, Virgin Mobile, all of it, right? And count up how many followers they have on social media. I guarantee it's less than Sir Richard Branson has on Twitter. I'm sure you're right. Because people 100%. buy people, you know, I agree. they relate to him. They don't relate to his brand. They buy Virgin because of Richard Branson, which is why his face is smack bang all over everything. Most people can't tell you the name of Gary Vaynerchuk's company. It's just Gary V, right? Because it's the guy. It's, we, we believe the guy. It's like, oh, it's V Media, Vaynerchuk Media. You've got V Creative. Nobody knows because it doesn't matter. You buy from him. And it's the person. It's the personal brand. Now, I'm not saying you have to be a world-famous celebrity. Your business might not even need that. The reality is that your business might need another 50 of your dream customers. You're set for life. So you don't need thousands of people. If you only need 50 dream customers, you only need to be famous for 100 people. In this final piece of interview, I asked Phil one of my favorite questions. If you could give a young entrepreneur two pieces of advice, what would they be? His answer was absolute gold, and I honestly will be using his advice myself. Shoot, brother. It's my Friday, so I'm going to sleep after this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Well, I have... Okay, then in that case, I have hmm, I have at least one last question for you, okay? You can ask me whatever you want, mate, honestly. Take your opportunity. Shoot. So if, if you were to give a young entrepreneur, even, like, even just a podcaster like me or someone who's trying to, I don't know, flip shoes, whatever. If you were to give a young entrepreneur two pieces of advice, what would those two pieces of advice be? Level up network and get started. Okay. So level up network is think about who the people are who are further up that ladder than you and go and network with them, go and learn from them. You know, I know a lot of people knock Napoleon Hill, but he had quite a good idea with Think and Grow Rich when he just went and interviewed a lot of successful people. You know, First time I spent more than an hour with a few billionaires, my mindset was never the same because you start to see the world completely differently and see how they do business. Um, So definitely level up network, whatever that thing is for you, whatever it is, man. Like even if you're, even if it's a podcast, look who's doing that better than you are right now and who you'd like to learn from and go and network with them. You know, it's that, it's that simple. Um, And honestly, I, I can honestly tell you, especially at your age, and this is a big one to remember for everybody, it's very flattering to be asked to mentor somebody. Um, so I think the amount of people, I think you'd be surprised at the amount of people that if you contacted them and said, I would really like you to mentor me. This is my story and this is why I resonate with you. And this is why I think you're the person to mentor me. I think you'd actually have an incredibly high success rate with that. Because yeah. um, people, will, people will really like that. And get started. It's pretty obvious, isn't it? It's just get started. Don't sit and plan it for the next year. Don't sit and create jingles for your intro and outro and just get on with it, right? 
don't need to go and buy yourself a new expensive microphone. You can you can use the one that came free with your iPhone if you want, you know. Use Skype and record the conversation on there. You know, use Anchor, which gives it you for free, provided you say like a little advert before it. Yep. There is no barrier to entry. So you literally have zero excuse. Zero excuse. Of course. Well, everyone, that was today's episode. Thank you so much for listening in, and I hope that everyone liked Phil and his amazing advice. Personally, this was one of my favorite interviews yet. For me personally, one of the best parts of the whole interview was talking about how to get in contact with a person like Bill Gates. I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I do want to tell everyone that we just recently launched the, the podcast through iTunes. It would help more than you realize if you could follow or subscribe and leave a rating or review of the show on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever podcasting platform you listen on. It's those reviews and followers that allow me to keep making this show. With that in mind, I hope that you have a wonderful week, and I'll see you next Monday.